Welcome to Connect with Encompass Health. I'm your host, Mary Ellen DeBartolaben, National Director of Quality at Encompass Health. Our Connect podcast is designed to help inspire and motivate healthcare professionals with insightful information from our industry experts. In this season of Connect, we're focusing on lessons in leadership. We'll be talking with some of Encompass Health's top executives, how they grew their careers, overcome obstacles, and lead successful teams. Let's find out. In this episode, we'll be talking with Lynn Lee, Encompass Health's Vice President of Risk Management. Lynn has been in her current role for nearly 20 years, but she started out as a nurse. Tell us how you started out, Lynn. Well, it's kind of interesting. I, I, um, I really, when I was a senior in high school, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. My dad was in education, and so he said, you know, I think it'd be a good idea for you to uh, give being a, a tech in a hospital a try to see if you like health care. And so I, I got a job after school doing that kind of work and really started loving the science of healthcare. And from there, I thought I wanted to go into pre-med when I went to college the first time, and uh, that didn't quite work out. So I ultimately landed in nursing and, and loved it ever since. So where did you start practicing as a nurse? I first started in a county hospital out in St. Clair County, about 30 miles east of Birmingham. Uh, at that time, it was called St. Clair County Hospital. And um, I would work as a nurse tech in the ER or on one of the med surge units. How long did you work as an ER nurse? Mm, well, I worked in the ER as I was going to nursing school. And of course, I was working as a tech then. But then I was in the ER about 19 years um, once I graduated from nursing school. That's a long time to be yeah. in the ER. <laughs> and it's exhausting. <laughs> uh, any particularly memorable situations from that time? Uh, you know, people watch these medical shows on television and they think there's no way that stuff is true, but it is so true. There are so many that I, it, it's hard to, to really, um, think of one to talk about. I do still fondly remember certain patients that I would take care of repeatedly that uh, just were so, it really turned out to mean something special to me. And so I think a lot about those former patients. I think in healthcare, we know that truth can be stranger than fiction sometimes. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in risk management still to this day. Uh, so uh, what did your path from nursing lead after the ER? Where did you head next? Well, you know, I was in, I was approaching my late thirties by the time um, I decided to, um, uh, to think about doing something different. Uh, first of all, when I finished nursing school, I got a bachelor's degree in nursing from University of Alabama, Birmingham. And about 10 years after that, I went to a, uh, a um, liberal arts college here in Birmingham, Birmingham Southern College for a master's in public and private management. And that was eye-opening for me because, you know, even in my four-year nursing degree, it was still very, very technical. You know, it was it was about science. It was a very technical program. But then uh, going and getting this master's degree in management from a liberal arts college really taught me to think a little in a much different way. When I was in nursing school, it may have changed now, but when I was in nursing school, you didn't get much leadership or education. You didn't get much education around how you run a unit or how you even run, you know, a, a day as a nurse. Um, it's all just so technical. So it really helped to be able to see the other side of the world and start thinking in different ways about management and leadership. So I did that about 10 years after graduation 
then I decided later as I was getting into my uh, later 30s that I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I went back to law school and um, got a law degree, passed the bar in Alabama, started doing risk management in the hospital, and then eventually had the opportunity to move to the home office. So that's how I've ended up here. So I knew about your law degree and your ethics degree, but I didn't know about the other masters <laughs> that you snuck in there. Yeah. Um, so that change to a new, a new career didn't happen overnight. And no, you, no, have, no. <laughs> you have talked to me before about your your joy and love for continuous learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went back and got the master's, the law degree, and then another master's degree. Right. Talk to us about why you chose those degrees at those points in your life? Yeah, with well, the management degree, I needed, I was running a department. I was a, you know, senior leadership at a hospital and I'd never had any formal training or education or, or you know, it's, it's, we're, we, and I mean, we, the healthcare in general, general, we're much better about doing this sort of thing now. We don't just throw people into leadership positions without giving them some background, some training, maybe even a mentor, uh, that you can work with. But when I was, you know, I'm pretty old. So when I was just starting out, I got thrown into managing an emergency department with, gosh, 12, 15 employees and scheduling physician, ER physicians. And I, I needed to understand more about management and how it should work and, and how to how to create change and that sort of thing. So that's why I pursued that first master's degree, because I wanted to see what is it that I don't know about management, which there was a lot and still it's the learning every day. So that got me through that master's degree. And as I started thinking about doing something a little bit different, I knew I never wanted to leave healthcare. I love healthcare. I love the science of it. I love mm-hmm. the economics of it. I love everything about healthcare, the challenges uh, of it. And so I started thinking about the parts of my job that I really liked best. I loved policy setting. I loved, you know, if if something didn't go the way we wanted it to go, somebody had to figure out why. And I liked doing those sorts of evaluations or investigations. And so when you think about those two things, those were the two things I liked best. Uh, I thought, well, hmm, maybe the law is a logical place to to go from here. And as I mentioned, I did not want to get out of healthcare. I just wanted to understand more around how to read regulations. You know, we had a couple of uh, issues that where we had to deal with attorneys when I was still managing the emergency department. And that was really my first exposure to to the law. And I remember thinking this isn't what I thought the law was going to be. And I think that's the way a lot of us are until we actually learn how to read the law and learn what the law is. So Mm -hmm. I I wanted to understand how we in healthcare find ourselves in positions that we do where we have certain laws that we have to follow or regulations that we have to follow. So I just wanted to pursue that. So I had a better understanding of how we ended up with these laws or regulations and and why we had to follow them and what the implications are if we don't follow them. And then after that, I've always loved the questions that have no answers. You know, if the, Mm -hmm. if the law, if you're, if you're dealing with a dilemma, And if the law provides the answers, you've got to follow the law. If there is a situation and there is a clear best practice out there in the industry, you're probably going to want to follow that best practice. But what we find ourselves in lots of times with patients and families is there are no good answers. There are no right answers or maybe even there could be a lot of 
a lot of right answers, but which one's the most right answer? Mm -hmm. So I love the questions that require us to think and reason and investigate and try to understand this person's uh, situation in life and what might work best for them, not necessarily for us, but what might work best for them. So at that point, I decided, you know, that sounds like a good ethical dilemma. So why not get a master's in ethics? And I had been the coordinator of our ethics committee when I was uh, in the hospital. So I really loved doing that. I I just love you know, people's stories are so compelling. And there we were joking in the beginning about, you know, people in healthcare. Uh, what, did, what did we say, Mary Ellen, that, that uh, the truth is stranger than fiction? Yeah, the yeah, truth yeah, is stranger so, than fiction. You know, people find themselves in these really unusual situations or at least situations they never expected to find themselves in. And they yeah. don't know. There's no there's no manual for how to live through these you know, yeah. life changing situations. And so uh, I, I liked being in the position where I might could help people. And that's why I got the ethics uh, master's in ethics, bioethics and health policy. So uh, around here, Lynn is known as our triple threat, because if you are keeping track, she is a nurse attorney trained in ethics. And so sometimes if I kind of run out of, you know, who is going to know the answer to this question? I just walk downstairs and knock on Lynn's door. So talk about what you do now and how those degrees, how they prepared you for what you do now. Okay. So uh, you mentioned I'm the vice president of risk. So under my areas of responsibility, we have uh, essentially patient safety. It's called HPL, which is hospital professional liability. Uh, but that's when that really applies when you get claims or litigation related to your medical treatment. But it's really what we do is bigger than that. We help the hospitals deal with the ongoing issues that they're dealing with right now. So if there's something going on at a hospital, an urgent situation, and they, they need advice from somebody, we're probably in risk who they're going to at least first try to contact. We may not be the ultimate uh, decision maker for or to help them with what's going on. But we're usually the first ones that they call because this crazy thing's going on. Who do we, who can we get? Risk can at least get us started. So when unusual things happen with patients and or visitors, we, we get those calls, but we also do help with any litigation or claim that comes up later. I also am responsible for work comp. Um, have a great work comp team that manages, gosh, around 2,000 claims a year. Um, and then we also, in my departments, acquire the insurance. Uh, we have 11, 12 different lines of insurance for the company, and it's our responsibility to acquire and maintain those. So those are the overarching responsibilities that I have. Um, how the degree, the various degrees have helped me. Uh, nursing is obvious every single day. And that's what I like about my job. I love, I mentioned earlier at the outset, I love the science of healthcare and I still love digging into, you know, what does low sodium mean in this particular situation? So I do get occasionally the chance to use my nursing education. The management, manage, I mean, you know, if you manage people, uh, you need good management background. So uh, the management degree has certainly been a good resource for my, my management part of my career. 
the law degree, obvious for obvious reasons again. And you're one of the few attorneys outside the legal department. That's right. Uh, I think probably (laughs) most of the ones outside the legal department work with me here. So uh, on the patient related side, I do have two attorneys working with me. And so, you know, we can use that education and background to help us understand the implication, the legal implications of a situation the hospital is experiencing right this minute urgently. Um, and we also work with legal, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to um, to defend our medical malpractice claims. And of course, mm-hmm. the legal education is invaluable there. And then the ethics stuff, I practice it every day. It's mm-hmm. not overt. It's not like, well, let me sit down and put on my ethics hat. I think it's the way I've learned to think. You probably um, can't take it off. I can't take it off. No, I can't. You know, it's uh, I, I, I told myself a long time ago that one of my quick ethics tests is whether or not my mother would be proud of what I had done if indeed she learned what I had done. And and I still I ask myself that, you know, what would my mom think if she were mm-hmm. able to see this or anybody that I want to think highly of me? What would they think if I if I chose this path? So, yeah, I can't take that one off. The nurse one, I can usually end up taking off. The legal one, I can take off. The management, once I go home, the only thing I manage is my dogs and cats. Uh, But I can't take the ethics one off. We talked to Don Rock in this series, one of the other attorneys who isn't in our legal department. And she also had um, a path of education where she had um, had a professional career education and then kind of pivoted into something else. Did you continue working while you were getting those degrees? Yeah, I did. It was, I'll tell you that if I had to, especially with the the law degree, if I had to do it over again, I don't know that I would, it was so grueling. And Mm -hmm. I was in my late thirties. I don't know that I would be able to do it, but I will tell you this. I sold my home. I moved home for uh, the period of time I was in law school and actually stayed a little bit after that. Uh, And my parents took care of me. I'm not, I wasn't married, never married, don't have kids. At that time, I didn't even have pets. So literally, they supported me emotionally and not not financially, but in every other way. And I lived under their roof, went to school, mm-hmm. law school at night, mm-hmm. worked during the day. It was grueling, but, you know, you learn something from every experience. So I think a lot of young people coming out of school think I need to front load all of this education. I need to go back and get this now or go back and get this degree. And for a lot of the people that we have talked to in these executive positions, they've gone back and gotten degrees as it made sense in their career path mm-hmm. and um, probably more in line with what kind of drove them and their interests and passions in different ways. And you can always go back and get more education. That's There's right. That's really interesting. So talk to us about the importance of risk management in healthcare and specifically in inpatient rehabilitation. How is that different from acute care and other settings? It's interesting. I think, uh, and you've heard me say this before, Mary Ellen, and the different folks I talk to periodically will hear me say this. I think risk management and risk management is everybody's job. I mean, yeah, my, my title has risk management in it, but really everybody is a risk manager, just like quality is everybody's responsibility. I think in rehab, whatever's happened to this person has just happened. And that, you know, maybe whether it's a stroke, a new spinal cord injury or whatever, and at acute care, you know, they're told, well, you know, you're going to go to rehab, you may, you're going to recover some, you may get better, 
who knows what all they're being told. And then they come to us. And absolutely, we have great examples where there are people who just excel beyond measure Mm -hmm. uh, when they come to rehab. But then there are situations where the deficit is such that the patient is going to be left with some level of deficit. And I think when the patient is with us, is when the patient and or their family start realizing that, you know, my life may have changed a little bit permanently after all. And I just think that that even from a risk management perspective, the ability to help families and patients deal with this um, new knowledge about how their life's going to look going forward is probably more evident in rehab because that's where the realization is first coming through. So I think to a certain extent, from a risk perspective, our jobs are even a little harder than they are in acute care because not only are we managing the acute illness or injury like acute care would, but we're also having to help manage the emotional side that comes with with the change of life as well. So, you know, I, I think to me, that's yeah, we're the first trying thing to, I think. Yeah. We're teaching somebody to tie their shoes after right, the ground right. has and fallen they're, out they're beneath 60, them. And they're 60 years old and they've been tying their shoes for 50 years or, you know, more than that. And, you know. And their so life I, has changed. Right. So I think risk management in rehab uh, for everybody that works in rehab includes more of being an emotional support for patients and families as well. Yeah. So I'll switch topics a little bit. When COVID happened, uh, when the pandemic first started and Encompass Health was drafting their COVID task force uh, (laughs) as the nurse uh, attorney ethicist, I have a feeling Lindley was at the very top of that list. And you were the pretty much the point of contact for 150 hospitals. So what is it like to have about 33,000 people with your personal cell phone number? Well, you know, I have to say there were no one used it inappropriately. Uh-huh. Um, the, the most difficult calls that I took uh, were the calls where some uh, an employee who was scared and mm-hmm. everybody was terrified, especially early on. The employee who was scared would email the task force and they'd get a message bouncing back saying, you know, call Lindley at this number. And so the most difficult questions I fielded in those situations were the ones, especially early on, where there were a lot of, we just don't know. The science was unfolding as we were practicing, which is something Mm -hmm. we've never seen before. You know, think of the polio uh, uh, outbreak and and vaccines. Most of the, first of all, there was no press like there is now, Mm -hmm. um, or at least there wasn't the level of press communication with the general public that there is now. No Facebook or Twitter to get all that news out. Right. So, you know, all the treatment, all the science behind the disease was going on basically in a dark corner where Mm -hmm. not many people heard about it. There was just a lot that we didn't know in the beginning because the science was really literally playing out as we go. And that was a that was a tough position to be in, especially with people who were just scared and just Mm -hmm. wanted to be safe so that they could take care of patients. And I understood that. Yeah. And Everyone makes decisions in their life and career, but in our setting, decisions that our clinicians can make, in these professions, those decisions can impact lives. And that's a tough, that's a tough spot for clinicians. What advice would you give to new or even seasoned professionals in healthcare who are walking through that right now? I think my advice for anybody working in healthcare is uh, know, know the science, 
understand your employer's policies and procedures, because I, I guarantee you, you know, I can speak from Encompass Health, but all other healthcare facilities or organizations are this way too. They want the best processes and science for their employees to use to make sure their patients are well taken care of. So those policies and procedures have been very well researched and really are best practices. So know what your hospital expects. Patient safety has to come first. And if there is a problem, you've got to report it immediately so that if there needs to be something done for the patient, that can be done for the patient. Thank you, Lynn. This has been really interesting, really insightful, and always appreciate hearing your stories and um, how you got to where you are today. Thanks, Mary Ellen. It's been great fun being here with you. Well, thank you, Lynn, for helping our listeners understand the importance of decision-making in healthcare and how you're never too old to continue learning in whatever role or future role you might be in. That brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you'd like to hear more from this series on lessons in leadership, visit blog.encompasshealth.com slash podcast to subscribe to our podcast or catch up on past episodes.